Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the Buffalo Bills podcast that comes out swinging. My name is Frank. I'm Paul. I'm Scott. All right. And we are here to talk about a Buffalo Bills victory, um, which is great. A great way to start the season. The Bills won the football game by the score of Tredavious White to Josh Allen. Um, They uh, I'll let you look that up. Uh, They they they. They handled, I believe, is is, a, is an appropriate word, uh, the New York Jets, which uh, may end up being the worst team in the league. But that's true of just about anybody who loses in the first week of the NFL. Uh, we don't really know for sure yet. Um, but the Bills um, basically get up 21 to nothing. Um, I don't want to say they never look back. They maybe peeked over their shoulder once, uh, but pretty much were comfortably in the lead throughout the entire football game. Um the offense showed signs of not just life, but proficiency. The offense also showed signs of failure. Um, as I told the guys on Sunday, one of my favorite jokes from Frazier, the television show Frazier, uh, is Niles and, and, and Frazier returning uh, from having dinner uh, <laughs> in the apartment. They're talking about how perfect this five-star restaurant uh, was and everything was perfect, including the fact that there was one or two things that didn't go right. Uh, which allowed them to joyfully nitpick through the rest of the evening. Um, and what would a Bills game be if we couldn't sort of pick them apart? But let's get started with Scott. Scott, uh, I hope that in the UK you saw the same football game we did. This is, of course, we're putting it to the test now. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, Bills beat the Jets. Um, there was great things. There were good things. There were bad things. There were ugly things. I leave it to you, um, Master of the Three Stars, to tell us what you think of this football game. Well, I, 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 I thought when they got down to the penalty kicks in the, uh, in the, in the extra time there in the 93rd minute, that that was really going to be the deciding factor. But I was really surprised that there was another, there was another penalty after that. And that really, that you, you wouldn't have seen that coming. And it's really, it's hard to believe it's the just, refs brought out the red card in the 95th minute after already carding someone two minutes beforehand. But it, you know, And it's so ridiculous that when you have a team like New York, that garners so many extra penalty and injury minutes than other teams, like the smaller teams. It's just, it's insane that, you know, oh, the Jets are down. Well, guess what? There's a 12 minutes of injury time suddenly. Ugh. It's, 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 uh, you know, the, I, I don't know how this league can survive in this kind of uh, climate, but anyway. All the um, Chinese gambling is how. <laughs> that's mostly it. It's mostly yeah. it. Um, so anyway. The Bills, yeah, it was a nice win. I mean, I think I obviously was uh, pleased in general. I think the team was prepared. Um, I think they they looked far more prepared than the Jets, which, again, is not saying a huge amount. Um, I think the offense looked good for the most part. I was, I was pleased with Dable's play calling for the most part. I was a little concerned – and we talked about this a little on Sunday, how much of this of the play calling and the the, the heavy pass to run ratio, how much of that was uh, tendencies that they had picked up from the Jets defense last year or matchups they thought they'd be, ex- be able to exploit with Jamal Adams and C.J. Mosley. And then they, they played Cashman from the Jets getting injured early on in that game versus how much that's just going to be the Bills offense now. Like we're just going to go freaking four wide and. <laughs> Full on, you know, Alabama college style power option, you know, kind of 
mobile quarterback, but also running and throwing and short passes and just screen game, kind of a little bit of everything. Like um, not a lot of like power eye runs or, you know, kind of the traditional kind of what we'd think of like a running team um, that in the, in the past the bills had, had been kind of accused of doing and have, have attempted to do. Um, obviously I think we had seen from Dable that he wasn't that kind of guy at points last year. It seemed as though there were, they were taking the reins out of his hands and making him just look, just run the fricking ball. It's not, it's not rocket science. Um, so that the fact that they were so pass heavy is a little interesting. I'm not saying I'm concerned yet. I was concerned that the run game from the running backs wasn't quite there in the sense that Allen, if he continues to run 14 times a game for 57 mm-hmm. yards, he will continue to win games for us until he gets decapitated. And then we will hmm. have Matt Barkley in the game and then we will not be winning games anymore. Um, not as, so certainly not as be, many. Yes. Yeah. We, we certainly need to kind of make sure that, that, um, that the run game, the power run, the, the, just having the running back game, the running the ball still in there is, is part of the thing because it is important to kill the clock. And that was some of the frustrating things late was we weren't quite able to run down the clock in some situations because the run wasn't quite as effective, but that's, I'm being a little nitpicky. Like in general, the offensive game plan was fine. Um, obviously we can talk about the Allen 300 yards thing on its own. Um, but, but I think yeah. in general, that's fine. I think Josh Allen becomes a topic after, after Paul gives us his thoughts on the football game and I'll, I'll give my thoughts and then I'll, I'll kind of get us started on the Josh Allen talk. Sure. But if you're ready, Paul, give us yep. some, give us some thoughts here. I am, I am ready. The, uh, I, before this game, I predicted this was going to be 31 to nine bills win. And I feel like in spirit, this was a 31 to nine win. <laughs> it's that's, that's they, they had, I, I'm okay with them blowing an opportunity when they drive deep into Jets territory, you know, 20 yard line ish or inside. I did not anticipate them blowing four of those opportunities, though. And that Jets last touchdown was obviously no one gave a crap on the field about them. So I'm going to say that my 31 to nine prediction was fairly on on that point. And as Frank noted with his Frazier reference, that is it is kind of perfect, perfect because it was a convincing win. If you looked at the a new metric that's come out this year on how much of a game happens in quote unquote garbage time, uh, this was determined to be the game that was the most garbage time uh, in that it said 48 minutes of what was played was was meaningless, that the game was pretty well decided, uh, that the the win percentage, the odds of winning were 80 percent or higher for Buffalo for literally 48 of the 60 minutes of these this game. Uh, but they did. They, there were some mistakes. Uh, you know, we'll talk about uh, Josh's ball security issues. Uh, of course, that was, you know, problematic. Scott referenced, hey, is this the what we're going to see every week with four wide? I don't, you know, and of course, we'll discuss this more all season. I think it's, and McDermott was saying today, it's probably going to be very game specific as Dable did as well. That said, I think with your opponent coming up in the Dolphins that struggled similarly to handle Cam Newton in the type of role we saw Josh Allen play last week, we might see that same thing again this week. But it, it was effective. They they do need to stop shooting themselves in the nuts. Uh, I, I don't want to say foot because it's more severe than shooting yourself in the foot. I don't want to say head because it did not kill the team. But it was it was painful and avoidable and something you really, really don't want to do. And they, they did it uh, on several occasions on offense. Defensively, just a great job. I mean, I don't know what more to, to 
to say on on that front. It was a dominant performance. Three three and outs, those first three drives, you can't really beat that. Uh, by the time the the Jets started to get any first downs, they were down twenty one to nothing. So you know that's that's just exceptional work on the defensive front. I'm sure we'll talk about injuries later. In special teams, the mixed bag. The uh, obviously Tyler Bass. I'm not going to be overly concerned with a guy missing his, you know, kicks in his NFL debut, even the one he quote unquote didn't really, he missed that he didn't yeah. really miss. You still, you know, just don't push everything you kick to the right. That seems like an easy enough solution to that problem. And then it's not a concern. And then Andre Roberts, who we talked about all season, all off season as being like potentially expendable. You've got maybe Christian Wade is ready to return kicks. And then he, he shut us off with his performance. So uh, great game. We've got, you know, stuff to, to complain about. But overall, this was what we expected in terms of the Bills looking like the dominant team, never having a lead of less than two scores for the last, what, 52-ish or so minutes of this game, maybe even you know, 51-ish minutes of this game. Uh, so just enjoyable to watch. Uh, I think that is right. I think that <clears throat> I'd say that I remember when they, they got to 21 or 24, 11 or 10, um, it, it that's the only point, 21, 10, when it kind of felt like, right like is this billsy i think we said online but on the whole like that that was a bit of a mirage the 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 thing it it was an enjoyable win i think that there is some uh excellent um positions you guys have taken here some real like truth to kind of what what the the tenor of the game was um i I don't believe that you know the bills are going to be a 46 pass uh team uh every game i think that you know i don't think josh allen is a 14 rush uh, quarterback at their game I'd like to point you know one of the things that I I, I kind of w- went back and looked at um, having thought about the game after Allen's second fumble um, he didn't run again so he didn't run in the second half uh, his I think two of his carries count for the kneel downs um, it, that were you know at the very very end of the game um, and I think that it probably was game specific to me Allen running 12 times for, you know, essentially 59 yards, um, getting a touchdown, is about the Jets' defensive line. And the Jets basically have, you know, Paul and Scott and me in the defensive backfield. And so that's why you throw the ball 46 times. Um, And now this week against Miami, they're sort of the reverse defense in that, you know, their corners are much better. Their defensive line might not be as good. Um, and so I don't know, like to me, like it's a great idea. Don't overreact to anything. I think Devin Singletary is fine. I think Zach Moss is fine. Is it a little annoying that they didn't like do better? I guess. But I think also like the idea was spread him out wide and run and let Josh Allen be that weapon. We'll have to talk further about whether that's a good idea. I think it's going to be a topic forever about whether Josh Allen is, is better off getting hurt, you know, better off rushing and risking getting hurt or not. I was pleased that once they were up 21 nothing and he lost his second fumble, essentially, he stopped running. And to me, that's like, that seems appropriate. That seems like a good idea. Like, he was a weapon. The game was in hand. Uh, he clearly had some rust, or I don't know if you'd call it rust since he sort of had a fumbling problem last year, too. Um, but it, it, it became a non-issue in the second half once they were in the lead. I think that also speaks to some of the slowdown of the offense in the second half. Um, I don't think that they were necessarily um, 
running the clock out because they certainly passed a lot. But I think that maybe they were doing different things. I think that when you're up on a team like this, I looking back on it, I get the impression the Bills were like, this game's in hand. We don't need to blow this team out. We don't need to hang 40 on them. We just need to beat them. And I'd rather save some stuff for other teams. You know, there's no preseason. There's no tape on anybody. Why keep pushing our pedal to the metal here when um, we can just kind of beat this team? Um, I think I think Bass, I'm more concerned, I think, than, than um, Paul is about Tyler Bass. I'm really sort of disappointed with how that ended up. It seems like... You know, he's trying to kick a 65-yard field goal from 30 yards out instead of just kicking a 35-yard field goal, right? Like, there's no reason, as it was said on the on the, the Bills and Beers podcast, there's no reason that the, the kick should be over the uprights from 35 yards out, right? Like, he should just be kicking it to get it through the damn uprights. And, and then it becomes reviewable, and then also we know that it goes through because it doesn't. Um, I also want him to maybe step, you know, three feet to the left if this keeps happening, since he keeps, you know, leaning to the right, as it were. Um, but on the whole, I really liked the game plan. I really felt it was specific. And one thing I think we haven't talked about, uh, and, and this is a great segue into talking about Josh Allen and his his proficiency, 312 yards, 71.7% completion, two touchdown passes, um, but also impressive. Eight completions to Stefan Diggs, which who was basically living in double coverage. Six to John Brown. Cole Beasley had four. Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary, Isaiah McKenzie, Zach Moss, Gabriel Davis. All had two or more catches. I mean, it wasn't just... Look, 71.7% completion is great. It probably won't live there all year. But he distributed the ball. He got the ball to receivers who were double covered, unlike... Kelvin Benjamin, who I felt like was supposed to be this big receiver threat and then never manifested. Stephon Diggs, week one, did he get a touchdown? No. Was he pointing into the back of the end zone where Dawson Knox or John Brown, I forget who was, wide open? Yes. Did Josh Allen have a couple of fumbles and some big misses? I think so. I think that I've been consistent in the last couple of years that my feeling is like that's who you're getting. You're going to get a guy who's going to make some awesome plays and he threw some freaking dimes. On a, and he threw some other balls on a rope, which I thought were like, that was a new thing for me to see him throwing underneath and accurately. Um, you know, did he blow some stuff? Absolutely. Were those fumbles like uncalled for? Absolutely. But I think if you get those fumbles and you're getting the points, 27 points um, would have been the fourth highest total of all of last year. And you had kind of like a sputtering Josh Allen and a kicker that screwed up. Like, they were definitely on pace to be, like, a much better offense than any point last year. Um, 312 yards, the first time since Tyrod Taylor in overtime. The first and time really since, the first time with – yo, sorry, go ahead. You were going there. Yeah, I was going to say since Kyle Orton six years ago. And I think Mike Shope said today the first time in a win since Ryan Fitzpatrick um, had 300 yards plus. Yeah, that, against, I think Bills and Beers pointed that. might have been the Raiders game where the three of us were at uh, Nats Park for your uh, – your groomsman. My bachelor party? Yeah. yeah but okay. no, your, it was your groomsman, groomsman celebration. Yeah. Right. Well, Scott, unfortunately, not a groomsman because he was going to, you know, serve our country, I believe is why. Um, That's right. And, he left us. So he was not in the groomsman party. Also my was, wedding. Also your wedding. Right. Was the same year. 
So yes. I forget why, but I knew it was a good reason. So. Right, because <laughs> Scott, and, and let's not, Scott sign himself short here. He was getting married a week after Frank's bachelor party, still showed up in New York City and did the bachelor party. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. and I'm sure, sure. His wife was totally fine with that. I was also, so. I was also actually also, I think I was in the Republic of Georgia, like the week or two before that. So yes, my wife. I was, was going to say you were definitely overseas at some point during that entire sequence. Right. Um, yeah. But so anyways, he did not see the that. nationals win a meaningless game while Frank and I <laughs> waited in the suite trying to refresh the phone of the bills Raiders game. Uh, before right. I think it was, might've been, I can't remember. Was it, uh, David, David Nelson, I think, caught the winning touchdown, and you kept hitting yeah. refresh until we found that out. No, we were doing that, and then my we snuck my wife into the into the area, which was like because that's the exact kind of groomsman slash bachelor party I'm interested in, and is the one where I can get my wife into the nice club at the ballpark. Um, but I don't know if it was that game or if it was the game where they beat the Patriots um, in Week Three. Uh, so I don't know because uh, WGR had a different game listed as the last uh, yes. time. Did passing in 300 yards, but the point being, it's and and you know, it happens all the time across the league. Let's start with Paul. Paul, give us uh, your thoughts on the Bills finally breaking that barrier, and by all means, use that into a springboard to talk about how you feel about Josh Allen's performance, uh, particularly. Yeah, and right before I jump into Josh, you mentioned earlier Frank about the receiving numbers. So the paces, the current paces for Bills wide receivers. Uh, in a 16-game season, Stephon Diggs, 128 catches, 1,408 yards. John Brown, a mere 96 catch- catches for 1,120 yards. And the slacker, Cole Beasley, 64 catches, 928 yards. Those would, of course, all be career highs in yardage for those guys and career highs in catches. And, and Josh probably. Allen, like some sort of 5,000-yard passer, I'm sure, right? Yes. Yeah, he would be a shade over 5,000 yards yeah. passing if you multiply 312 by 16, which... Just not in the mood to do right now. But yes, it's a lot of yards. It's over 4,800 and probably over 5,000. So yeah, Alan, this was really, we, and Frank had alluded to this in the opener last year, how much he loved, I think he said, love, love, loved. Uh, The Bills came out and just passed like crazy with Josh Allen. Like, we're not afraid to ride our quarterback. We're not afraid to have him run the ball a billion times, have him pass the ball 46 times. Uh, and, and to really, you know, put the game, put the offensive game on his shoulders and look at what happens without having, without hitting any deep passes or getting any real fluke receptions or, or, or a ton of yard after catch from anyone that made it look good. Mm-hmm. He, that was as even a 312 yard performance as you're ever going to see. And they can't, now that he's shown he can do that and hit those short to intermediate passes with regularity, uh, that's going to open up some opportunities down the field deep. Uh, and, and he struggled there in the past. And I, I think he'll probably improve just by having Stefan Diggs in that regard. So I think to be able to put the offense on his shoulders pretty much entirely, because no offense to Singletary and Moss, but they didn't really do much. And that's a function of the Jets, uh, while being generally a, probably a very crummy team, have a good run defense. You know, that's not, not changed. So that it was just tough to move the ball on, on them that way. But with the game on his shoulders, Josh made sure that by the second quarter, uh, this was largely put away. He had some mistakes. We'll get to those, at least one of those in the the listener questions portion of the segment. But overall, if he can do this week in and week out when the and again, work on the, the ball security, work on getting out of bounds more instead of taking big hits when possible. You know, this is a very good sign, you know, for the, the season that 
you know, if they need to have similar game plans where they've got to throw a ball 46 times to win and the opponent's taken away the deep game, they can still win. So that was probably the, so encouraging for me, at least, to see Josh be able to just take a game into his hands, which I've said 15 times now, and, you know, just lead the offense to, you know, what should have been over 30 points. So I I am not quite as sunny on the performance. Obviously, I'm glad we won. Obviously, it was enough to get the job done. Um, as we've said, the Jets' defense is not um, world beaters with the amount of injuries and uh, people leaving the team because they don't want to play for them. Um, that that obviously is problematic for their proficiency. Um, the the two points I would say that concern me. One is the as we've said, like the the fumbles are a continuing issue. They were an issue last year. They were an issue this year. I get that. Yeah, it's great that we stopped doing it because we could. But if the on some level, a if you tell the league, if Josh fumbles more than twice, we're not going to run the ball anymore. Mm-hmm. That's kind of problematic. And two, if you don't, if if that's not what you're going to do, and you need to keep running the ball, and he's going to keep fumbling, then that's also problematic. Um, and while I get that this may be a bit of a game plan design thing, I'm struggling to think of a situation where having a running quarterback or a quarterback who can threaten the run is not always going to be an option, or it's not always going to be to your advantage. I understand some weeks you may emphasize it more than others, but I think it is important. I don't think it's ever going to be able to avoid. We have to we have to continue to use it for it, it to be proficient and for it to be for the offense to move quickly and for it to move the offense. He has to not fumble when he's doing Um, that combined with still some continued like, yeah, he was hitting the completion percentage was higher. That's that's all well and good. The yards per attempt, which is kind of one of the standard metrics for how well the quarterback's doing. Six point seven, six point eight yards on Sunday. All last year, six point seven yards. So point one yard. That's not obviously statistically significant. So that is the, the, the reason that he got to over 300 yards was he threw the ball more than he's ever thrown before. So um, it is that I don't want to overstate the importance of the 300 because of that. Um, I don't want to like diminish it because there's plenty of guys who throw the ball 40 times and get 300 yards. We don't hold it against them, but at the same time, like it's, it, I think the thing that troubles me the most is the lack. I don't see a huge improvement, like not one that I can attribute to Josh Allen being a better quarterback and not the Jets being terrible and Stefan Diggs being on the team. Like most most quarterbacks will do better with those two kind of factors. Obviously, it's only one game and he won. So I don't want to get nuts. But if we're talking specifically about his performance, like I didn't see a lot of improvement from where we were last year. It was a lot of the same boy really needed to hit that pass better. And boy, that was, there were two times he was throwing the ball in the red zone and those windows were way too tight and could have been picked off if the jets were a little more competent. So, um, you know, it is, it is, uh, it is, it's not a, it's not the end of the world. Um, but I also don't want to start, you know, let's not start sucking each other's popsicles yet as, uh, as Winston Wolf would say. <laughs> Thank you for you completely derailing that. my final my final thoughts here. Um yeah, that's great. Uh no, I um 
I take everything Scott says uh, seriously, and and I appreciate the opinion. I, I guess I just come down on the other side. To me, it was a it, it looked like a better performance. I guess I'm gonna go and push against the analytics and say, you know, for me, for a you know, no, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it like this. I'll say for a team uh, like the rest of the league that didn't have any preseason warmups, uh, basically went to OTAs, and this happened then I think that this was about as good a first start as you could have had other than a perfect one. Um, I also had at a place where I am accepting Josh Allen's flaws for what they are, and I think that he's still a good enough player to win with. I think he's good enough. I think that he can have the great game. I think he has the great game in him. Um, I will agree that this wasn't the great game. This was the very good game, or the good game. I, I'd probably still say very good. Um, but I so we think appreciate your have... wrong opinion, Scott. But you know, no, I Scott is Scott is pumping the brakes, and he's not gonna, you know, he's gonna obey the stop sign, and that's good. There's a stop sign there, and we gotta at least do a California stop, right? Maybe maybe we're gonna roll through the intersection if nobody's there, but but there's one there. We're not gonna blow through it. Um, to me, there, I think that. What I saw a lot online was, uh, and online is such an artifice anyway, but there was a lot of people who were either he had a great game and you were all losers for thinking he doesn't, or people highlighting the miss to John Brown and saying, how can you like this quarterback? And I think for most things, the truth lies in the middle. And the reality is he's not the cartoon quarterback that the draft people uh, made him out to be. He's not the caricature of the of the quarterback that the draft uh, analysis had him as, um, and he's also not John Elway yet, right? Like, or Jim Kelly, I suppose. Um, he probably will never be Jim Kelly or John Elway, but that's okay. You can win a Super Bowl if you're not Jim Kelly or John Elway. What he is is he's a dynamic upgrade to me over Tyrod Taylor, and I am solidified in my feeling that I like this style of football better than the Tyrod Taylor style of football. Um, and that's no disrespect to Tyrod Taylor. I'm just, I feel like we made the right move in getting him and they weren't complete fools for drafting him. In fact, I think they were smart to draft him. Um, and I am prepared to accept him as he is. And that these are the flaws that he has. You know, he is a weapon running. He has a really strong arm. He's going to have some fumbling issues when he's running and that he is going to have some miss issues sometimes when he tries to rip the ball in instead of tossing it, but that ultimately the benefits will outweigh the negatives. And I think that for the first time we're talking about a quarterback where you can at least make that argument, um, where you can, you can with a straight face say, yeah, like this guy has got all the tools and he can do enough things right that maybe you can win. I think the other thing that is really nice that for the first time in a long time, you have a guy like Brian Dable and, and, and you know, honestly, McDermott, um, who is willing to change their game plan to, to beat a team the way that they're supposed to be beat. There are so many coaches in this history of this team that would have just been like, well, I know we can't run it, but we're going to run it. And they're just, they're just going to beat their fucking face into the Jets' defensive line and then ask Trent Edwards to make a third and 15 constantly. And I'm really glad that they didn't do that. And so I think that on the whole, I'm very positive about the direction of this team. 
I continue to be positive. I think that there is better things in store for them. And that's super cool. Um, but what we need to do now, of course, is get to three stars because we have so much podcasting left. And I'm excited to bring Scott on for the first three stars of the year. Yes, no, no, no warm up for me on three stars with no preseason. Well, you don't even own calls. You don't. You're just a pro all the time. So. Yeah, and actually, I'm not even sure I did three stars for, for preseason. Actually, most years. Um, right. So really, this would probably be the first. Anyway, I felt like in my anyway. head you were probably like just practicing three stars in your head. Exactly. Yeah, I was just doing the mental reps. I wasn't. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. I, you know, we didn't. We didn't count those. Um, so uh, honorable mentions: uh, Stefan Diggs and Josh Brown. Uh, eight for eighty-six for Stefan. Six for seventy uh, with the TD for for John Brown. Um, both. Um, doing what they need to do um, again like I can I can I can uh, I can criticize Josh a little bit but I think for the most part those guys did what they needed to do Diggs obviously um, good as advertised making tough catches getting open mm-hmm. um, you know both of them big big helps in, in in stretching the field making it capable for the rest of the guys to get open and, and move the ball down the field um, and I'm again, sorry to interrupt. Sorry, so cool when Stefan Diggs is pointing out the open man in the end zone. Like to me, like that little moment where he's like, I'm double teamed and he's like throwing both his arms. And of course the pass doesn't get made, but like when you have the Stefan Diggs um uh he you know, his his reputation of being like he whined his way out of Minnesota to see him sort of actively happy for another wide receiver thumbs up yeah no and he had some really nice things saying that you know that smoke brown's one of the most underrated you know wide receivers in the league you know i I think that's i think that might be true and i think that i think that actually is increasingly kind of what i'm thinking like again like uh you know i thought he did a great job last year and i think hopefully i mean again like i'm not completely sold that we need to throw as much as we did and i think everyone kind of agrees that's maybe not consistently how we're going to do it but i do like the idea of getting having those guys out there and it is completely like i i mean we can't the 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 best comparison at this point would have to be kind of the the oh four molds and price and like maybe like i forget if lee was on the team then i I think yeah oh four lee was lee's first year yep and josh reed probably in in Mm -hmm. in there as well maybe so the gabe davis of that crew yes yeah exactly yeah um (laughs) But but uh, in terms of having like that kind of caliber of receivers on the bills and honestly, these guys might be better. Like it's entirely possible those could be better than those guys. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that last year. It's just something you don't we don't normally see. Um, but anyway, on to uh, the third actual star um, in a in a not not a perfect game, but uh, I don't think I don't think I would I would dispute his contributions in a losing effort. Marcus May. Uh, 10 tackles, two sacks, two pass deflections. Um, definitely was one of the guys on the Jets who actually was trying to play on Sunday. Everyone else uh, seemed to be going through the motions. Marcus uh, appeared to be kind of uh, be put in a position where he was expected to do a lot and maybe not successful all the time, but certainly was kind of flying around the field and trying to trying to make things happen. Um, so he, he, he gets my third star. Um, the second star I will give to Josh Allen for his performance, which is, it was a good performance. Like he scored enough points. He put them in enough positions to win. Yes. He had the, the two fumbles. Yes. He had the couple misses. He had a couple dangerous passes, but obviously 
the 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 completion percentage, the touchdowns, the running, the the complete performance certainly worthy of second star in a in a good win. So, you know, uh, I don't I don't want to poo poo how much I'm uh, I'm uh, how much uh, he deserves credit for for the Bills win on Sunday. And then on uh, is your first star someone who we didn't talk about too much and we didn't talk about as much really the unit. But the the Bills defense led by Jordan Poyer, uh, Jordan gets our first star. Um, he was the guy who forced, if I'm not mistaken, the critical fumble on the the point that Frank mentioned earlier tonight, where the Bills may have started to want to look over their shoulder a little bit with the Jets with the ball up uh, down 21-10, had been had just scored on the long Crowder catch. The Bills seemingly couldn't kick field goals anymore. Um, the offense had stalled a little bit. Things were kind of tending in a little bit of a concerning direction, but Poyer comes up on a screen with a big hit, jars the ball loose right at the right time, um, not just to get an incompletion, but to get the fumble, and then uh, and then uh, goes ahead and obviously the Bills uh, go on, turn that around. I think they turned that into points or whatever. They they ended up winning the game, but um, yeah, they got a field Jordan, goal. That was one of the ones Bass made. That was one of the ones they made. So gets the gets the game kind of back on track. Ended up being kind of critical points. Um, well, not critical points, but important points to make sure. Yeah, I, I take I think criticals to... right because James Lofton even said literally right before that play, like you can feel momentum swinging. And as you noted, that was a huge huge play because <laughs> James Lofton was always on top of things. James Lofton was literally broadcasting that game from 1994 because he just was like, <laughs> I can't believe they're going for it on fourth down. I like would be running here. Why aren't they bringing in all their, he was just like the perfect coach for a 1993. <laughs> I, was, and, I was like um, rubbing my eyes. I'm like, is that buddy Ryan back from the dead? Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, and God bless James Lofton. I love James Lofton. He probably yeah. was my favorite bill from, from that era. But, um, well, okay, so we have our first uh, three stars in the good, book. Good, good three stars to be a safety for, man. Two of the three. I'd say so. Really, really. And hey, Marcus May's last deal with year with the Jets. You know, I'm just saying, Marcus Greener Pastures over on the other side of the AFC East. I think Micah Corey hides Bohorquez, a free agent after next season. Corey Bohorquez shut out again uh, from getting a star um, <laughs> with just one punt. He but, is the uh, NFL's leading punter, Scott. What does he have to do? 53 yard net. Can't beat that. Nailed it on the one. Uh, hey, hey, on yeah, the one. Yeah. I mean, well, to, to be fair though, I don't know how much of those Tyler Bass kicks might be his fault, and I don't. I didn't get a good look yeah, at that. Yeah, There was one where the laces were in, and not the laces out, like we were taught in Ace Ventura. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Le'Veon Bell also. I mean, I mean, six of six attempts for fourteen yards. He. He was not good on the day, but I felt like his yards in the second half right before he got injured were getting better, and I was worried. I was like, or no, and, and um, and I'm oh, sorry, it was Frank Gore I'm thinking of. Gore was like six for 24 yards, that's right. And I was like, oh, Frank Gore's going to have the strong legs, isn't he? He's going to have those damn stupid strong legs, and he's going to start punching holes. And then he, then, he, then he took a break, so I was glad, I was glad for that. Um, the three the three score lead also helped kind of uh, make the Jets like start to pass the ball. One dimensional and you know yeah. Sam Darnold, what can I say? Should have drafted Josh Rosen. Um, sorry. You know, uh, by the way, I should alert you guys. One of our listener questions is a good one about in a 2018 redraft, where do Allen and Edmonds get picked? So 
start the juices yeah, flowing. They both get it. picked behind Lamar Jackson is who they is. Where yes, they get Lamar picked. is number one to the Browns. That's the we'll spoiler. That. Right. Yeah. Um, let, let's briefly I'm going to I'm going to throw out a couple of topics that we didn't cover from Paul's wonderful notes um, and get us to injuries. And then let's get to listener questions in this day in Bill's history, because we you know had a t- game to talk about, spent half an hour talking about it. Um, AJ Epinesa was a healthy scratch uh, from that game. Um, Leslie Frazier in his comment says that he's doing fine. There's no real concern about him, but at this point, um, he felt like the other player was ahead of him. I forget which player went ahead of him, but I know also that guy. Yeah. And he also plays special teams. So there could have been like just a literal cap of, well, we need X number of guys. Um, the other thing is, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, um, uh, John Brown, Phillips all hurt in the game. Uh, it looks like nobody is injured quote long term um and i forwarded paul the the injury report um and i saw that milano and Edmonds did not play uh but i think that um the did not practice practice, right excuse me they did not practice today on wednesday um but they the the quote from both mcdermott and frazier was that these are quote not long-term industries dodson did practice with the neck injury but he was limited so not long-term injuries either yes what did i say long-term industries <laughs> i know you're just not going to make money being in it like being injured is not a, a source <laughs> of income it's the economy doesn't need it sorry um and, and it's so, worse because your mic sounds so great it's just being just, amplified <laughs> it's crystal clear fucking, <laughs> crystal clear fucking up these words um so the people who did not practice were john brown uh, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, Delshawn Phillips. Um, those are all guys with injuries that didn't practice. Jake Fromm was limited, not with an injury. Who cares? Uh, Terrell Dodson, neck injury was limited. Um, now, John Brown finished the game. I don't think he like ended, didn't not play the game. So right. maybe they were just giving him a rest day. Um, and I'm encouraged that the official word is not long-term injuries. Um that and AJ Epinesa, Paul, you haven't spoken in a, in a, in a yeah, I, definitely. Uh, coming on Epinesa, it, Leslie Frazier said it's not concerning. I might slightly disagree. Now, let's be real here. We we think highly of AJ because he was the Bills' first pick of the draft. But but being honest, Stefan Diggs was the Bills' first round draft pick this year. Uh, he seems to do fine so far. So that's how I'm kind of looking at that situation. It's concerning in the fact that I they would never admit this, uh, and we didn't mention the name Trent Murphy, who's played now very well for like seven straight games, being, dating back to last year, something like seven, uh, I think I saw, was it seven sacks and two forced fumbles in the last seven games uh, for him and a number of tackles for loss. But I firmly believe their hope was uh, Epinesa would shine. They could get the Murphy contract off the books to give themselves $8 million toward next year's less uh in a more restrictive cap that could be as low as 175. Um, but it's, it's an, you shouldn't push the panic button either. This is not yet Aaron Mabin at this point. Uh, one, he wasn't drafted nearly as high as Mabin. Thank God. And two, um, he went from being, you know, highly, it took him a while from high school to adapt to college is where on the street. Well, he's, he's had difficulties adjusting at the next level. The bills knew this when they picked him. And so it was plausible that, that they anticipate he'd be out. I still think it's concerning, uh, but I don't wave the the red flag. On the injuries, you know, yeah, none of them are long-term. That is great news. 
I still worry about missing potentially two of your, especially Tremaine Edmonds. That takes nothing away from Matt Milano because we did notice the difference when Klein was in there for Milano. But, you know, missing Tremaine Edmonds, your leader on defense, your young pro bowler who calls every single play out there. You know, that's you don't want to miss him for too long. At the same time, if his shoulder is serious enough that an extra day of a game of rest will help him, you absolutely need to give it to him. And then just the last thing I wanted to mention, uh, Jake Fromm will see him, I believe, on this injury report pretty much every week. For those who haven't uh, read that the reason this is done is he is not practicing because God forbid there is a COVID outbreak in the quarterback room. They need someone from outside that room who can play on Sunday. So that is why we're not going to see uh, why we're going to see Jake from, you know, not practicing with the rest of the team on certain days. All right, Scott, give us your thoughts and then let's jump right into listener questions. Uh, yeah, briefly we're um, yeah. I'm also concerned about it, Vanessa, because it's not like, he was like with a guy who is coming in super raw, but like with a lot of physical skills, you could see like, okay, he hasn't quite figured out how to harness these things, but eventually in practice, he'll, the light will come on, you know, all that, all that stuff he'll get. Um, Epinesa was the guy who was supposed to be pro ready. He was the guy who's knows all the techniques, who's good with his hands, who knows how to keep the blockers off of him. And if he can't, start getting through here soon i am going to start getting concerned yes it is still early but i think i'm a little concerned based on the the book kind of coming out there um and in in terms of the the injuries yeah i mean i think dodson dodson played well but i, I think obviously like you know edmonds and milano are, are uniquely um, important contributors to a certain extent in that in that uh klein is really not i don't see him as as anything more than like Mm-hmm. The, the guy who's the last one kind of in the top three and 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 not uh not not a future not a future kind of building block for this team obviously so um yeah better better health to those guys um but yeah on to the questions yeah no i just quickly leslie frazier had said that he'd hope to get uh at least at least one of them back this week i think that if you're lucky um you know i, I sorry i was gonna say i think there's a little bit of luck involved in the idea that you know maybe you're playing the Dolphins, who aren't a great football team uh, this week, and that might be, the, if you're going to miss a week with those guys, that might be the week to miss them. But, Paul, do you have any Facebook or Twitter questions? I don't think we put anything on Facebook, but on Twitter, perhaps. Right. I, I think know, we, we might did, have had we, one, we on, one on Facebook. but Yeah, I'm pulling uh, up Facebook now. Yep. Right. So we have five on Twitter. Uh, so we'll start with uh, Stevens. I will, for the sake of keeping this flowing, answer them first, and whoever wants to jump in, feel free. Uh, do you think the Bills will continue to utilize no huddles prominently as it was in week one, or is that specific to the Jets? I think we, we talked about this a little, in the, and Dable did too, with the offensive game planning. I would expect to see this against certain teams uh, where it fits. In the case of the Jets, they are a heavy blitzing team. You want to keep them you know, off balance a bit if you run the hurry up. Uh, and you can run effectively and get first downs like the Bills did. You're going to tire them out. You're going to limit their ability to effectively blitz you, which we saw because Josh Allen had more time than any other quarterback this past week to throw the ball. And so I I don't think it's – I wouldn't go as far as saying it's going to be utilized as prominently, but I also suspect it will be used against opponents who present similar challenges to the Jets. Yeah, I think there's a good chance that with the – um 
noise level being what it is, I think that they're going to want to do huddles when they can. But if they have a series of plays that they know that they want to run, just getting out there, running them, playing them, and and doing that. So I, I would I would say it's certainly not the last time we've seen it. Yeah, concur. And I did enjoy the uh, what seemed to be a crisp uh, three hour running time, three quarter, three and a quarter, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. For that football game, so it's definitely game. a little faster without the without the fans there, which obviously is still a shame, but uh, easier to watch in some ways. No one, no one hurting themselves. Um, you know, Though there was freaking Cody Ford with a freaking false start in the third or fourth <laughs> quarter. What is that? Yeah, but the only yeah. thing worse is taking the delay of game. The Jets took a delay of game the coming off of the game, kickoff. right? So yeah, that's kick- that's yeah. that's also equally brutal. But I'll put that on Gase, who's a moron, like. He's also not on my team, so. Yeah, I am not impressed with Adam Gase at all. I I feel like I finally am like I'm I've closed the book on Adam Gase. Like I'm not <laughs> a third of him at all at all. Yeah, in, uh, in his press conference this week, he said something. Someone asked him about facing two good defenses to start off the year, and he said, "Oh, I'm glad you're finally acknowledging we're facing two good defenses." I'm like, "Are you serious? Like, <laughs> why don't uh, you just go ahead and make an excuse?" Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let me read Brian's comment from Facebook, and then we'll get back to Twitter questions. Yep. Uh, Brian says, I wasn't sure what to expect on Sunday. Here's some thoughts. Allen, with odd exceptions, was unexpectedly great. Running backs were kidnapped, question mark. Linebacker room is a mash unit. The kicker needs to be sized for barrel to ride over the falls as motivation. Adam Gase needs a 20-year extension. Agreed. <laughs> Sam Darnold sitting on a bench in Costa Rica laughing uh, while he pays this body double a pittance to impersonate him. Uh, and NFL quarterback, LOL Jets. He then, of course, included some happy, happy, joy, joy, and at last for the triumphant return of the defector, formerly known as Deadspin Column, uh, Why Your Team Sucks 2020 Buffalo Bills. I've not read this, but if you go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash bbillsmny, Scott has helpfully linked it for you. Go ahead and read it for the classic um, hilariousness that is the Drew McGarry um, column that he does for all of these, all of these teams. I've not read it. So um, maybe I'll read it while Paul reads whatever inconsequential question, uh, (laughs) some foolish Twitter questioner asked. Oh, well, it's going to be Steven again on this one. Um, Allen had 14 carries. How many were designed runs? It should never be more than one, maybe two per game, excluding sneaks, especially when leading like they were. Brian Dable gave the very specific answer that, uh, the, he had very few run plays called for Allen. And I, having not watched the film, it was definitely more than one or two that the sweep screen and then the touchdown run. And I remember there was at least another run, that, but there was a lot of read options. So I, I would guess somewhere in the neighborhood of four. You know, if it's my, my one caveat here, Stephen, is you're probably going to see it more this week based on the success Cam Newton had against the, uh, the Dolphins. Yeah, I think I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm. I, I. I think there were a fair bit of read options. He doesn't strike me as someone who's terribly proficient with the read option. He doesn't. Josh Allen had never really seemed to me like a guy, and that was not the profile of him coming out of college. Was like, oh, you're getting a great read option quarterback because I don't think he really that was really part of his game. We kind of found this athleticism that maybe they didn't quite exploit successfully at Wyoming, um, but that that is. Uh, he does not. He. It seems like he is frequently making the wrong reads on things. Like he's deciding what he's going to do when the read option is called, rather than uh, rather than actually reading the defensive end or the the key, uh, as the case may be. So uh, I think he'll need to 
improve on that again to avoid him getting killed or avoid leading to plays that are not good so all right so uh on to jasmine i have not sorry you know what i saw some clip of a bill's mafia guy doing a face plant and um the short answer is scott probably knows what he's talking about so all right yeah i think (laughs) think that's always always the answer Mm -hmm. uh jasmine uh welcome back jasmine if a qb overthrows a guy that is wide open in the end zone should he have set his feet before throwing or not asking for a friend uh, a lot of a lot of our friends are asking that same question. Um, I looked closely at the replay, and I tend to think he should have set his feet there. Was there a bit of a rush? Jordan Willis, the Jets' defensive lineman, was getting in on him a little, but he had he definitely had time. And I know it's tough when you're rolling. Uh, in Josh's case, he's rolling right. opposite, right? Like, yeah, he's yeah, rolling, he's... He's rolling the opposite way, and then throwing across his body. And I think because he had time to set. You know, I, I tend to agree, Jasmine. I, I personally think in that situation with the amount of time he had, he should have just set his feet and lobbed it in there and it would not have been as disastrous. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a tough, I think it's a tougher pass than it looks like. I think that, yes, it's probably the difference between great quarterbacks and what I'm calling a very good quarterback in Josh Allen or a good quarterback, if just not to upset anybody. Um, I think that, uh, he could have said him felt I think the other thing you could have done is just like tossed it. Like that's the that's the other way to make that play work is to like accept how open the guy is and just flick it as opposed to like trying to rifle it in. But you know, Sylvie. Yeah. No, I mean it's I, I kinda don't wanna criticize too much when you're 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 criticizing individual plays because like, well, it's always it's always one thing that could go mm-hmm. wrong. But yeah, that that was a particularly kind of gross play so it's gonna and it's not and that's the thing it is not one that we it's one that we have seen before that he is not sometimes loses a lot of his accuracy on when when rolling rolling either directions especially to his left though so yep all right uh next question this is uh, i we could go into a rabbit hole on this one so i'll try and keep it brief but uh david asked in a 2018 redraft where do alan and edmonds get picked uh, when this question came in, I took a quick look at the draft. Browns, I think we're probably in universal agreement, are taking Lamar Jackson with the number one overall pick. The question is then to me, where does, does Josh go to? I would think Josh would go to the Jets at number three. I think the Giants are probably going to take Saquon again. He was the offensive rookie of the year. He continues to be great. If you're looking for tackle help, maybe that's where you take in, you know, the ultimate draft value in Orlando Brown, who is a third round pick, but has already emerged as one of the best uh, right tackles in the game. Um, You know, he would have been worth a high pick. You had had some other guys in there, but I think the Jets are going to think we need a quarterback. And if you look at who's proven themselves most, I would say Josh goes third on linebacker. I think you're going to have guy. I I think he, I think Edmonds gets picked over Bradley Chubb uh, and Roquan Smith, the two linebackers who went before him in that draft. As far as who takes him, I say I'd say the Bears would have taken him at at eight. I think the Broncos have generally been happy with Chubb. Maybe they go with there. Maybe they go with Denzel Ward, who might have been available in a redraft. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, late, late, Leighton Vander Esch has started his career fairly well, though he's really been injury prone. Uh, he's on injured reserve again, I think, for six to eight weeks now. So, uh, you know, that's that's my take. So I'm going to say Josh to the Jets at three and Edmonds to the Bears at eight. 
those those seem logical to me. I'm looking at, at who's on the list here. <laughs> that's, uh, that's all I, I went to Wikipedia. I'm like, who's made Pro Bowls and where is everyone? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I think, yeah, that's that's that seems right. I mean, it it in some ways it doesn't seem like Josh Allen is third overall pick in the NFL draft material, but I think that is the the QB premium a little bit of if you need a QB, you kind of have to draft one that high to have your pick of the litter. And um, obviously uh, they'd be, uh, at this point, they'd be a little annoyed that Lamar didn't, didn't drop a little further. I think that's probably fair to say. Frank, any thoughts on the redraft? No, I think that obviously like Lamar Jackson is the, is the prize, right? Cause he's the MVP. I think that there's always a great question about, well, who is, if Josh Allen is working under Adam Gase, like, maybe all of his worst traits come out too. So I think one of the one of the things to obviously keep in mind is who knows if the Bills end up with Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen and and you have the the right tutelage, um maybe it works out a lot better than those guys have had um uh in in, in recent years in in our actual reality inside of we, the fantasy. We haven't even mentioned Baker Mayfield, the number one overall pick. Uh, yeah, no that's the thing is like I think I was very high up on Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield might thrive in this offense. I don't know. I mean I I'm not like unimpressed with him. So maybe they end up with Mayfield. Um I'm sure the Bills had a list. I think that's the fun question is like okay, but what was the Bills list, right? Was it Josh Allen one? Was it Sam Darnold and then Josh Allen? Um how did it go? We know Josh Allen was ahead of, of a lot of guys, but we don't know if he was ahead of everybody. And right. so I think the fun thing would be to know what's the Bills list and and then how does the new world um, relate to that? But it's a fun question. And the last question from Greg. Greg, thanks for getting this one in under the uh, the wire. Does Josh Allen fumble more than average? And if so, is there anything that can be done to train it out of him? Boy, I wish we knew the answer to that one. Uh, I can tell I you him. Been- Go ahead. I've been I've been searching for somebody who does some sort of fumbles per carry or fumbles first per possession stat, right? Because yeah, he's I, I've done the on- Lamar Jackson comparison, which is Lamar is 967 plays, attempts plus sacks plus runs, and I've just basically stolen this off of Twitter from a guy. Um, 22 fumbles, six loss, so 44 plays of fumble. Josh Allen, 1108 plays. Uh, 24 fumbles, only eight lost, 46 plays of fumble. So he's slightly, very slightly better than Lamar Jackson on that front. But I have to imagine they're both below average, and that's probably in nature of the type of game they play. It is, and it's also like, you know, they're, you know, it's a much bigger problem for running backs to fumble in most instances because they're handling the ball more often, right? Like, Sorry, they're running the ball more often. They're certainly not handling the ball more often. But, I, I, you know, if you look at raw numbers, Allen fumbles 14 times in 16 games. You know, Daniel Jones and Carson Wentz fumbled more. But, you know, some of that's you get sacked and you, you lose the ball and you're fumbling it. And, like, that's why. And that, to me, is a fundamentally different question since Allen presents this running threat that other people don't. And so the fairer question needs to be something along the lines of what Paul's doing, where it's like, how many times has he touched the ball? How many times does he fumble? Um, Can we isolate it for carries? How does he compare to a running back that's in a similar position? You know, so it's, it's hard for me to, to say exactly. I think that at the end of the day for a quarterback, he's fumbling a lot, but for a guy who's running as much as he is, it's probably not as much 
as people want it to be. And I think that that probably involves breaking the mold in your head as to what you think the quarterback is and isn't. And I think that if you take a more holistic view, personally, I come out on the idea that he's he's actually probably the fumbles he's making are worth it. But I now yield to Scott, who probably wants to tear me down. No, I, you, also, know, you I, could also address the coaching out of him, Scott, too, because Frank and I kind of. Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, I think uh, I think there are guys who you can um, do better at. I would say, though, that, yes, I think if you are going to be handling the ball 55 times a game and you're 90 percent of the team's offense one way or another, then, yes, obviously, just through quantity, you're going to have more chances to screw up. Um, I think the quarterback obviously are in sometimes different positions where it doesn't really matter what the quarterback is. If you catch them at the wrong time, you'll, you'll get them, uh, in a position where they're, they're going to fumble. Um, I think I have seen, yeah. So I've, I'd say I've seen more running backs have it coached out of them. I don't know that I've seen as many quarterbacks who run the ball have that coached out of them. Um, because I think functionally it's viewed as a, I don't know if it's viewed as a as a as a diminishing resource kind of thing, but it's more of a like um, how much like the, I think the way you train running backs to do it is you have them run drills where you have everyone try and rip the ball out and you practice on them running. And ultimately, as a quarterback, you need to be spending all those time when the running backs are doing that drill. Right. You need to be spending the time working on the getting the timing down with the wide receivers and 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 doing the passing job. So it is it is going to be tougher for him to make progress on that element of his game. I think that's um, now, yes, should they find him every time he carries the ball like uh, like you know, like Shady look, does the loaf of bread look. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Like that is not. Yeah, like you probably should. But ultimately, like that's not, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure he's not. You have to you know, you have to practice how you're going to play. Um, and I, I don't think that's going to be a big thing for them. So uh, it, it's tough. I don't know if you guys had home ec like I did, but you you know the baby that you have to carry that could be like a bag of flour or something. You know when they teach you in high school how to. Like, so maybe we could give him that like an egg or a bag. I think a bag of flour works a bit better, and he's just like people will try and rip it all day, and he's got to keep it away. I think that, that is an episode of Frasier where he ends up where Niles ends up having to duct tape his flower and has pretty much failed. His that is test. right. I didn't remember that one. I guess maybe Frasier was just stuck in the back of my mind. Um, <laughs> I was going to. So Bills and Beers have a great new segment where they're going to make a bet every week uh, on different things. And I told Lars, I go, I'm going to steal this thing outright. And he said, go for it. Uh, but I'm not going to only because it is actually not legal yet in virginia to sports bet but in early 2021 it might be so i might i might steal it but for now tune into them for that segment instead we now turn to what i believe is the premier segment in all buffalo bills podcasting nobody has a better segment than this segment we have the top two we have this segment and then in the off season we have wacky schedule and then there's a 20 piles 20 pounds of dirt and then there's everybody else's segment. A car crash. Uh, but now we, it was just uh, this day in Bill's headlines uh, with Paul, who meticulously researched this. We're at 58 minutes, so let's do some, um, you know, not speed speed round, but let's do that. And then we got to get to a Miami preview, and then we got to get out of here before the game starts. 
basically. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And I have many things to say, and I will say none of them because we need to get to this segment, as uh, Frank noted. All right. They're interesting. Uh, say them. If they're not interesting. No, so. they're not. I was just noting okay. that if, if Bills and Beers wanted to counter this, uh, remember when I was on Bills and Beers, uh, Lars even said this is the most interesting segment on any Bills podcast. So uh, it's the best you know, one. It's the, yes. we, we, we crush it. Yeah. No, I know you are the Stefan Diggs, and I also have the John Brown. And I'm just back here, Josh Allen, like, I'm pretty good, but like, I also suck at some things. And so, but mostly <laughs> you guys make me look good. So anyway, as I've All now right. belabored, yeah. This this one will be a, a, a tough one, but a doable one. September 16th, 2018, mm. Buffalo Bills release wide receiver blank and sign defensive tackle Robert Thomas off their practice squad. The move now leaves the Bills with only Kelvin Benjamin, Zay Jones, Andre Holmes, Ray Ray McLeod, Ray Ray McLeod, and Robert Foster, a wide receiver. It would have to be a notable wide receiver. It would yep. not be Sammy Watkins, who had already been traded by this point. Right. So it was a wide receiver who ne- that he played this one game for the Bills, and he never played in the NFL. He played in the NFL for, I want to say, seven or eight seasons before he played for the Bills. Uh, nope. Good guess. He didn't play. He yeah, played zero. He never games. actually played. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, he, he signed, played, but never played. Right. He played a game. This would have been the game where I was in, uh, the Netherlands, I believe he caught two, ca- he made two catches for seven yards. One was a four yard catch. One was a three yard catch, uh, from Nathan Peterman, I believe in the opener against the Ravens. He had previously oh, played three, four, five, six, seven years in the NFL and caught 268 passes for Jordan a little over. No, another good guess. He was Jets in San Francisco or his other teams. Al- Mostly the Jets. Altoon. No. Um, uh, um, Niners and Jets. Yeah. Is he from Wisconsin? No, Altoon is. Oh, Altoon is. Altoon is. He is from TCU, if that helps, Scott. Texas Christian. No, I'm not going to get this. Jets, Niners, Texas. No, I got uh, it. The answer is Jeremy Curley. Jeremy Curley. Him is one game with the Bills, yeah. and that, by the way, those wide receivers, none of them that I mentioned uh, caught a pass this week. In fact, only Zay Jones played uh, since the beginning of last season, and he did not have any catches for the Raiders this week, and had nine snaps, I believe. All right, 2017, three years ago. Blank among nine NFL draft prospects Bills fans should watch in week three. And uh, Scott's going to get this based on the hint, I'm sure. But Blank tore through Purdue and North Carolina in consecutive weeks to start the season. He now faces his toughest test as he and Louisville get set to host Clemson in a game all college football fans will be glued to. Uh, uh, Eric Wood? Nope, no, it's going to be a Jackson. Lamar Jackson, yes. I was going to oh, say. Oh, non-Bill. Yeah. Okay, yes. right, yeah. Non-Bill. All right, good job. 2016, teammate calls Jets QB blank one badass white boy after beating Rex Ryan. New York Jets safety Calvin Pryor said he dreamed his team would have a dominant offense performance against the Buffalo Bills. Blank made that dream come true in 30, a 37 to 31 win. That's one badass white boy prior set of his quarterback after the game. For Rex Ryan, it was a nightmare. So Jets quarterback, but he's on this day in Bill's headlines. Mm. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. This Patrick, was the game. Yeah. I think we watched the first half at the, cafe, at the pizzeria in Alexandria on a Monday yeah. night. 
then I went. Yeah. I was not back in DC yet, but all right, this is another challenging one, but I think there's there's a there's a chance. 2015, Buffalo Bills release blank to make room for Marcel Darius. It says Darius began serving a two-game suspension uh, earlier this year. The move leaves the Bills with three running backs on the roster: LaShawn McCoy, Booby Dixon, and Carlos Williams. Oh, God, why am I 15? It was probably the running back back before McCoy, who was the guy before McCoy. He he didn't get a ton of playing time, but he was a 2012 round seven pick of the Eagles out of Kansas State. He was traded to the Bills for a fourth round pick in 2014. And unfortunately, we would most remember him for a huge fumble against the Chiefs while he was looking to go into the end zone. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I can see him doing it. Swung it right into the Chiefs' momentum. I can see him doing it too. I, oh, I don't remember this. I remember the fumble, and I swear I can't remember his name. And when you say his name, it's gonna be—I'm gonna be mad. I didn't remember it, but yes, I know the fumble you're talking about. Jason Statham. <laughs> yeah. No. I try and think of hints that that are wrestling or superhero related for Frank, but none are coming to me with this guy's name. Rick Flair. No, um, I give up. Go ahead. It's uh, Bryce Brown. I will the damn name Bryce was in my head. I couldn't. Oh, the name Bryce kept bouncing around, but I couldn't think of his last name. And I was just like, that's not right. I'm thinking of Bryce Harper or something. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get one now. I'm going to get this. Whatever this one is, I'm going to get it. I'm optimistic for you guys on this one. It's not a gimme, but it's doable for sure. Okay. Uh, 2012, Bill's rookie wide receiver blank ready for his shot. I have to be, Blank said. Coming into the first game last week, I was unprepared because I've never been in that position before. He'd been scratched from the first game of the year. Uh, He says, so this week I feel like I'm a lot more prepared and it's going to be a lot more fun to get out there and play. He did end up catching one pass for seven yards that day in a win over uh, Kansas City. Is this the the now dearly departed James Hardy? It is not. uh, It is a living human being, to my knowledge. He does... He does fit the theme of uh, the segment that you, I believe, did for us in the offseason, uh, Frank, regarding, again, say the category that AJ Epinetza fits and EJ Manuel and uh, OJ Simpson. Wow. Oh, he's a J. Okay. So, oh, TJ Graham. TJ Graham. Graham. Good job, Frank. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. 2010. Blank. Hoping to be back in two weeks. Yeah, the way we all landed, I saw it on film, Blank said. I landed with the running back underneath me and our guys on top of me. It just bent the wrong way under the pile. Uh, He'd end up missing a couple of games, but be back for week four and then the rest of the season. Uh, There are a few hints I could give. A prominent player for the Bills went on to be a Jaguars player for many years and was their captain. He recently retired in the last couple of years. Paul Puzlesny? Paul Puzlesny, and that's all the hints Scott need. I didn't even need to go into the second round pick out of Penn State. Thank seven. We both got it. It was, it was a chorus answer, but thank you, Scott. Um, this one's going to sound tragic, but we have a happy ending. Um, 2009, ex-Bill faces prison after a plea to roll in filing false tax returns. Uh, blank, 38, admitted that he helped other people file bogus federal tax returns. Investigators said Blank then received a cut of the money they got back from the government. So mm. Blank played for the Buffalo Bills from 1995 to 1998 and was Thurman Thomas's primary backup during his first two NFL seasons. 
No, this is after Kenneth. This is after, after Kenneth, Kenneth Davis. Davis. There's a guy who came in right after Kenneth Davis. He was I a seventh terrible round. If it was Kenneth Davis. Yeah. Okay. Seventh round pick out of Portland State in 1995. He had 698 yards as a rookie and 1383 total with the Bills, and then another 386 with Green Bay at the end of his career. I feel like this, I feel like the, the the Green Bay part might help. Is yes, uh, it would. He had a two or three hundred yard games with Green Bay. I think he had two because uh, he only had three eighty six total. Minor hint for Scott if he knows that his son is currently a well regarded UCLA cornerback named Darnay. No, unfortunately, I haven't haven't watched any college football this year, so I am not. Especially not those West there. Coast games are a little tough for you out there. Yeah, West Coast can be real tough for me at this point. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and guess. Um, Oliver Cromwell. Uh, good old Oliver Cromwell. Ollie, Ollie the trolley, as I call him. Uh, yeah, I don't have other hits for this one other than the, his last name is shared with uh, one of the most famous uh, male porn stars in history. And it's not it's not Ron Jeremy Curley. It's it's a different guy. I you, I have no words. All right. The answer is uh, Derek Holmes. Is that the porn star or the that's the or bill. The... John Holmes. OK. Is the porn star. So Derek okay. Holmes, he did survive and turn his life around. He was spared from going to jail in part because of his work with underprivileged youth, and he started a football training business in Pasadena, which trains youth uh, for their college football careers. So happy ending Derek, on that. Derek All Holmes, right. John Holmes. I would have not known which one was the bill. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. All right, 2006. Keeping blank was a costly risk for Bills. Blank's hamstring has bothered him throughout all training camp. The Bills should have known he wouldn't make it through the entire season without aggravating it. Had they released him prior to the season, not only would they have been able to keep Rashad Baker, but they wouldn't have owed blank another dime. Uh, this guy had a big contract. He was a five-time Pro Bowl cornerback with the Eagles, who played with them from 92 to 95. Uh, or excuse me, he played with the Dolphins from 92 to 95 and the Eagles from 96 to 03. And then for his final three seasons with the Bills and Washington's football team, he had converted to a safety. Troy Vincent. Troy Vincent. Yeah. Did not even need to say Wisconsin 1992 round one pick seven. Um, all right. 2000- I was going to say George Wilson. I was going to say George Wilson, but I, I was in the right era and the right. Okay. But yes. Yep. Um, you got it. Um, departed blank disputes notion. He rocked the bills boat. Uh, blank admits he does not love the way Greg Williams deals with players. Uh, I didn't totally agree with their approach. He said he's not treating them like men, and I'm not the only guy who feels that way. You don't insult players. There's a certain way you talk to grown men, and there's a certain amount of respect you give grown men and liberties and freedoms you give them. I think he's still trying to figure that out as a head coach as far as how he wants to do it. Uh, this was a Bills first round, 26th overall pick of the 1991 draft out of Illinois. So he was on three of the Super Bowl teams. He was a first-time All-Pro in 1993. He was cut by the Bills before 2001, and then he played in 14 games of the next two years with Minnesota and Atlanta. And I will give you the position as a final hint if needed. Is this Henry Jones? Henry Jones, no hints needed for Frank. Well done. Yeah. I got it from the draft because I know he was like the only, he was like one of the few prominent first round guys they got in the 90s. All right. And the final one 
going back 29 years to 1991. And if either of you get this, I, I just, I'm going to faint on air and you guys are going to have to finish the segment. Uh, cause, but I had, had to bring this one up. 1991 jets hang tough, but the bills hold on. Um, the jets stood tall in the face of the NFL's most prolific offense today and gained a lot of respect, but lost the game by letting the Buffalo bills escape from Giants same with a 23, 20 victory. Um, the key plays for Bruce Cosett probably came the closing minutes of the half after the Bills fought back to tie the game at 10 on Kelly's scoring pass to Andre Reid. Terrence Mathis had given the Jets excellent field position on the ensuing kickoff, returning it 50 yards and getting another 15 yards tacked on when the kicker, Blank, grabbed his face mask, tackling him at midfield. Kicker, Bills, 1991, but not easy. Is my so not Steve Christie and not, not Steve Christie and not Scott. Is North. this? Oh no! Is this Brad DeLuiso? Oh, I fainted. <laughs> Frank finishes. Yeah, kickoff specialist Brad DeLuiso. You wow. just yes. Wow, there yes. wasn't even enough time to cheat there. I know that was an honest Frank memory. What do you mean enough time to cheat? Like I can't. I'm a skeptic about. <laughs> I cheated no more than twice this entire time. <laughs> I have no faith in human nature at all. Uh, well, I so Brad Del- even so if you remove, at, he was on the Giants, if I remember right, and that's he kind was. of why those were all my issues. It was, so, it was so weird to have. Sorry, it was just so weird to have two kickers, obviously, and you know to have a guy who is like, and he looks weirdly like he could be my cousin. If you look at pictures of him when he's younger, he looks like he could be like, you know, he's like an upstate New York Italian looking <laughs> guy, even though he's from California. Um, but. Uh, yeah, he. But I just always thought it was a weird little thing. Brad Deluiso on the Buffalo Bills for for not even the whole year. He started that year with the Falcons, and yeah. so um, anyway. Excellent job. That was this day in Bills headlines for September sixteenth, and Frank goes out the winner. Yes, I knew I could pick it up after I after I missed some stuff. Um, so hour thirteen minutes in, uh, the Bills are five and a half point favorites over the Miami Dolphins. Um, obviously we have a game in the bag now they, they looked, they, they handled the jets, the dolphins lost to the Patriots, right? They lost, that's who they lost to this week. Mm-hmm. Um, they, um, you know, aren't great by any stretch. Obviously they probably have a little more firepower than the jets. They certainly have better cornerbacks than the jets. Um, but they're not a good team. Uh, that said the bills looking a little injured, a little limpy this week. Um, you know, there is tape on the bills now. For, for the Dolphins to look at. Um, now is your time to change your mind if you think the Bills can't beat the Dolphins. Um, but Scott, five and a half point favorites on the road. Nice start for the Bills. Um, what do you think? Can they can they hammer it out and get to two and zero? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think I think that the, this is certainly going to be a tougher test. Um, but I think that the Bills are are playing well enough. I think. Obviously, it is concerning if 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 Edmonds or, or Milano can't play. I mean, I think if they're both out, um, I'd start being a little more concerned about whether the defense would be able to hold up, kind of in the in the uh, in the middle zones there. Um, but I think I think that, I, I don't think either of those injuries looked terribly terrible. Um, uh, what a what an awesome turn of phrase there. And so <laughs> I will. All right. uh, I will pick. You get what you pay bills. for in this podcast. That's what I yeah. say. I will pick the Bills. I was a little surprised. I mean, I think it, we obviously we saw some of the sloppiness, but I think I was surprised how how generally crisp um, the Bills were. At least the Jets obviously kind of took their time getting into that one. Um, but yeah, it, it's it'll be tough. Um, but I still think the Bills can pull it out. So I'll put it at 
Um, 27-21, I think the Bills cover. Yep. Okay. Immensely similar prediction to Scott. Uh, our Edmonds and Milano going to be out. That would indeed be a terribly terrible occurrence for the Bills if that occurs. Uh, that will make it more of a struggle defensively. Ryan Fitzpatrick played terribly against Miami, which concerns me because, or against uh, New England, which concerns me because then he proceeds to usually follow a terrible game with a 700-yard game. But, you know, all things being equal, Bills are a better team. Dolphins are going to have some fans in the stands. Uh, it's, I think it'll be a tight game as well. I will say Buffalo will win this one 24-20. Uh, I think you're going to see an emphasis on the running game. I think that, yeah, there will be some issues if they, if the, both those linebackers can't play. Um, one of the weird things is Ryan Fitzpatrick probably still in a position to be able to kind of take advantage of that kind of situation where a defense is a little, a little uh, shorthanded. Um, that said, I don't know that the Dolphins have a ton of threats that can really exploit um, a Bills defense that still would have a decent defensive line and a defensive, um, uh, defensive backfield. So I think that, yeah, they can score some more points. I think I'm with um, Scott there. I think that the Bills, though, look, they were sloppy uh, in some big ways, and they still managed to put up 27 points. So to me, I think the running game probably slows them up down a bit in some ways, but I think that the Bills come out. They probably win this game 24-17. to 17. Um, I think that they, they, they advance to 2-0, and oh, and it looks different than how they beat the Jets, but they still... Um, I think it looks better than 24-17. I think it'll be 24-17 with the 17 coming late. Um, So that's a cover for me as well. Uh, You can go to MNY Bills on Twitter at Facebook.com, BBillsMNY. Just search Buffalo Bills maybe next year. Search Buffalo Bills podcast. We do this. Best way to do it, though, word of mouth. Tell your friends. Go to our podcast. Listen. These guys are awesome. They're better than, you know, picking your nose. What else are they going to do? So go ahead, tell your friends to listen, spread the word. We appreciate it if you do. Um, until next time when we're hopefully talking about a 2-0 Buffalo Bills team, my name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night and good luck, everyone. <laughs>